With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. At Discount Tire, we know your time is valuable. Get 30% shorter average wait time when you buy and book online. Did you know Discount Tire now sells wiper blades? Check out our current deals at DiscountTire.com or stop in and talk to an associate today. Discount time. Let's get you taken care of. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Welcome to a Celtic State of Mind, I'm Paul John Dykes and today I am absolutely enthused and delighted to be joined by two of our fantastic contributors to the Axon Bulletin. Um, up top we've got Declan McConville, soon to be uh, the political correspondent of a State of Mind and underneath we have the musical Svengali, that is JP Mason. Uh, welcome to the show guys, how are you doing? Just Paul, very well. You're looking good, Dick. I'm not going to ask you where you got that done, but you are looking good, son. And there is only one story worth talking about at this moment in time, and it's obviously around the Celtic managerial. It's not even a managerial position. It's the entire footballing department uh, being put in place, a new structure. Uh, We learned during the week 
or did we learn anything during the week from Dermot Desmond's Q&A on the Celtic website? We'll start off with that, and from that, I'm sure we can lead into the big story. Uh, Declan, what was your thoughts on Dermot Desmond's communication with the Celtic support? Very much so, just the kind of usual PR stunt from the club um, to to bill it as an exclusive interview when there was no kind of email sent out to ask fans to contribute questions and whatnot. It wasn't any exclusive interview. I don't think it was a an interview um, made up by the club, but with specific questions that they picked out. They they tried to balance the questions a wee bit and maybe ask him a few tougher ones just so it didn't look too um, propaganda-ish, but um, it's very much so anything that you came to expect from the club. Um, we've cried out for communication, but the right terms of communication, that was just, as the old Ronan Keaton song would go, you say it best when you say nothing at all. <laughs> I can't believe that uh, under two minutes into the bulletin and you've already name-checked Ronan Keaton, I would hope that JP would give us far more credibility if he's going to move into the analogy of uh, the musical world. But if you were to have that opportunity, Dick, to, to ask questions of Double D, uh, what kind of questions would you ask him? It would be to ask him what lessons he's learned from the, the mistakes I've made this season what they're going to do to change that. Does he think the club's in the position to to be what is one of the elite clubs in European football in the next five years? Because we've seen that that's a target. And um, really, what is the vision for the future here? Because we're all in the dark. We're we're, Mm. we're still left here with no manager. Um, I don't think John Kennedy will be the permanent manager. We're very close to Champions League qualifiers which are crucial and we want to wrestle the title back. So I think a vision and what mistakes have been made would be the first thing they'd be asking, Dermot Desmond. I called him DD or Double D with my tongue firmly in my cheek because uh, someone was having a go at me last week for calling Neil Lennon Lenny. And apparently you can only call him Lenny if you're his friend. So sorry about that. Uh, yeah, Dermot Desmond doesn't speak that often, JP. Uh, but it has come out he's broken his silence there was a few wee bits in there that yeah, I guess you could read between the lines uh, whereby he's talking about the way that Celtic do business you know they don't have to uh, put everything out there as uh, other clubs uh, apparently do uh, but it does come I, I was more looking at the timing of that JP do you think that that's coming um, not as such on the eve of an announcement but certainly in the lead up to an announcement we're in an international break there's three games to play the final games uh, involving Scotland will be next Wednesday are you expecting something this time next week to come out of Celtic Park around first and foremost the director of football Uh, well just there that second I thought of a musical analogy that will probably bring a bit of credibility back from the Ronan Keaton. <laughs> no offence, I, I don't have a problem with Ronan Keaton, but <laughs> but but yeah, you know that bit in the in the Beatles song, "A Day in the Life," mm-hmm. where there's that kind of huge orchestral build up, where it's mm-hmm. like basically somebody's obviously conducting it and making it go completely wild in the in the studio, and then it just goes right up to a point and then stops, and then there's the woke up, got out of bed, but. Aye. Well, that, a coma across my head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that noise, that that uh, concerto sort of building up, that feels like the point that we're at right now in terms yeah, of like all it. the noise and everything just building up to a point where it's just going to go boom and then there's an announcement. And that that's where I feel we're at right now in terms of there's so much talk, there's so much rumour, there's so much chat. 
Dermot Desmond's interview, whatever you want to call it, has been thrown into the mix as well. Interestingly, where he talked about the, the, the sort of almost like the due diligence and the sort of how uh, how sort of intricate a process it is, but yet we were led to believe that it was such a throwaway appointment of Neil Lennon in the showers. So, like, I, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I'd like to think that they are doing a, a, a diligent process uh, with regards to the manager and his uh, interview has just been thrown in to, to sort of add add weight to, oh, well, we are actually doing something, by the way. Um, we're not just sitting here on our hands. So we'll, we'll wait with bated breath. But surely surely that announcement is, um, whatever it is going to be, the announcement surely has to be imminent because... We're, we're, we're a ship without a rudder. Yeah, we, we are. I mean, looking at a few things that you, you mentioned there, JP, brilliant analogy with the Beatles. I had that song ringing in my head just as you, you spoke about it. 1967, that album came out as well, didn't it? Amazing, eh? Yeah, I know, what a year. Masterpiece. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, but when I'm looking at the, the lines of communication and the fact that... Not that long ago, it was on a Thursday because it was you two that we had this discussion with. We spoke about the the Harkin Maresca um, setup, whereby there's two figures at Manchester City who know how the other works. And JP, I don't think you were convinced at the beginning of the conversation that something like that would work. By the end of it, you could see the logic in setting up the football department in such a way. Um, since then, I've seen a lot of uh, kind of feedback on social media, particularly where people are saying, you know, we can't appoint. And in actual fact, our very own Anthony Haggerty had this same view. We can't appoint someone who has only had under 23 experience. Uh, absolutely. Totally agree with, with Tony in that respect. But you could see the, the, the thinking behind such a move. Not particularly with Maresca in place there. So in relation to the, the the tweet that went out last night, which obviously gathered some momentum, um, it was on the back of a lot of what was said around the Roy Keane um, the, at the top of this week on a Celtic state of mind. It must have been Tuesday because I am only on it on a Tuesday and a Thursday these days. And there was reaction on a fans forum. Who knew? that you still had fans forums, you know. I thought they they were something from a bygone age along with Bebo and MySpace. But yes, fans forums, uh, there was a reaction to basically say that you've never got a single thing right yet. Well, that's not what we try to, that's not what we try to do on Axom, is it? You know, we're not here, we're not called Celtic Rumours, we're not called in the know, but we don't try and do that. What we try and do is discuss all matters relating to Celtic within the last 24 hours, and that's why it's called the Bulletin. But uh, what I would say, and I'm saying this before we came on, is that through, I guess, uh, the podcast mainly, but through some of the other endeavours that are Celtic related, I must get 12 15 different bits of information every single week in relation to comings and goings and what's happened at Celtic and what the team line's going to be, etc, etc. And I don't really go with it. Now and again, I will share it with the WhatsApp group, Declan, of which you're part of. JP refuses to be part of the madness, and I don't blame you, JP, uh, at this moment in time. But what I'll often do is uh, drop some of these things into the WhatsApp group just to test the opinion. 
Uh, many of them come to fruition and were true and correct pieces of information and others were just nonsense that everybody else gets on WhatsApp groups etc. But this information I found extremely interesting because of the uh, individual that it comes from and it's not about trying to shout from the rooftops we're in the know. What do you get from a tweet? You know, what, what am I going to gain from putting out a tweet? Absolutely nothing, really. Um, so this information has come through before Nicky Butt made his announcement yesterday or before Manchester United made the announcement for him saying that he wants to explore new challenges. So remove the name Maresca. This, I think this is the way I was trying to explain it, Deck, to the, the rest of the group. Remove the name Maresca and replace it with Butt. So that setup, that structure that we've already spoken about, uh, what you've got to try and do is establish first and foremost, I guess, JP, what is the director of football's role and what what, what would Maresca's role have been? What would that um, head coach, if you like, what what's their role? Because Roy Keane's not a head coach. He's a manager, isn't he? Um, so if someone like Nicky Butt was to come in alongside Roy Keane, what would the role be? I mean, I'm going to come to you first of all. Let's differentiate the roles, Declan, because only then can you say, would Harkin fit that role? Would Nicky Butt fit that role? Um, so first of all, director of football, what's his role? To me, it's to direct traffic and bring in players and be that go-between Dominic McKay, whoever's the first team coach. Um, and it's also implement a style of football that we want to play. That would be to me what a director of football does. He needs to be that, that stopgap that it's not the chief executive making all the decisions. That if the head coach wants players, he's a man that can go and get them. And he implements a style of football that if the head coach then departs the club, that head coach can be replaced by somebody and the philosophy is still in place. I, I agree with that. You use the word philosophy. I think that's that comes into the style of play as well, Declan. Uh, recruitment, JP, would be massive, a massive part of that. I would also think that the director of football will be looking at the full football structure from top to bottom right down um, to the structural aspect of youth development, um, but also they're going to have to look at scouting as part of the recruitment as well. Uh, because the recruitment obviously is first team right down to, to youth players. So in terms of that, I think one of the most important things you said, Dick, is that that is in place and that's, you would hope that managers would be a long-term view, but certainly the director of football is a long-term view whereby if the manager or coach were to leave, you can slot someone else back in, but the whole operation continues as is. Is that how you understand it yourself, JP? I mean, certainly, yeah, from my... From my very limited knowledge of directors of football and and setups in other clubs. Yeah, that's what I would think. But just to add to what Declan said about what I would uh, expect his role his role to be, it would be again to have a map, a map for uh, players, like a plan for players who come in, and you know, and it be an established plan. You know, whether it's you know uh, this is where we see you in two three years. You know how long is your 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 idea of being at the club? Like how long do you see yourself being here? And just get all those things established as well. The same with regards to players going out and loan. You know, so that there's no grey area because we saw that one of the biggest things I think that impacted this season was the absolute mismanagement of players' futures last summer, where it was like, oh well, you know, let's just stay for another year. You know. Or, I don't know how they they worked it or how they worded it to the players, uh, or if it was the whole you know selling them the ten in a row thing, which is so short term, it's unbelievable. 
because um, it's just another season. You know, yes, it's a, it was a historic season, but it's another season. And in those players' lives, that maybe didn't mean as much to them as it, as it clearly does to, to us. So having that sort of thing established and getting all of that completely, you know, ticked off and uh, watertight, um, and just allowing the and so it's working hand in hand with the, uh, with the manager, so that he knows what he's what, what sort of shelf life he's got for these players. Mm. The, the big thing with that as well, I guess, that uh, a lot of those decisions were being made by Peter Lowell previously, and we've heard like again, <laughs> yeah. Yep, and we've heard um, just recently, and again, the information had been filtering through from the touts, from the sources, from these in-the-know people for some time that Neil Lennon was against the idea of keeping players who didn't want to be at the club, um, or you know the the people that downed tools should have been shot, um, not physically shot, but shot yeah. off. You should have got shot of them before anybody accuses me of saying they should have been shot um, earlier, and obviously many of those players are still at the club as we speak. So the director of football, again, a, a big concern for me would be that whole situation where who do they work with? Are they going to have, you know, is the manager going to be happy with the director of football being foisted upon them? Um, the director of football, you would think, would have something to say alongside, and this has been confirmed by Dermot Desmond, uh, the process obviously involves Peter Lowell and the incoming Dominic Mackay in relation to the new staff coming in. And, you know, you would hope that the director of football would have some kind of relationship, some kind of working relationship with the staff who are going to be working as a manager, head coach, assistant manager um, on the football side of things. Declan, so I guess what uh, we would then say is that the front runner seems to be Fergal Harkin. Manchester City uh, has also worked at Nike football so um, would you expect maybe once the international games are over this time next week that we might be getting some kind of announcement on, on that level the director of football I think so I think that, that appointment is key and it's it's one that, that you know when you're reading about it in the press it seems as if it's ever more closer there's been a lot of links with him in Manchester City as I've spoken on here before there's links already in place between Celtic and Manchester City so I, I think I would hope anyway that after the international break that is done because he's going to be a real key figure. If it isn't Virgo Harkin, whoever it is, you need to be in the door early because this is the guy that's going to need to sort out a squad that is going to be decimated with players leaving and it's going to need to, to find new targets and what is a very hard post-Brexit and uh, still a pandemic environment of a transfer market. Before we get into the other two names, Declan, of the three on the bottom of the screen here, which are you comfortable with? This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, direct-to-consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. I switched to Boost Mobile and got a free Samsung Galaxy A23 5G phone. Want to know the best part? Uh, it was free? Nope. The fact that it's on America's largest 5G networks? Nope. It's the ding. Oh yeah, love the ding. Right? It's all about the ding. It's the dingarooski, the dingarona, the ring-a-ding-ding. Unleash your power to save with Boost. Get a free Samsung Galaxy A23 5G phone when you switch. Boost Mobile, unleash your power. And the ding. 
Limited time offer. New customers only. Available on select networks. 5G not available everywhere. One device per line. Tax excluded. Additional restrictions apply. See your local Boost Mobile store for details. Because I'm going to bring up a few comments. Uh, as you can imagine, the comments are coming in thick and fast. Of the three, how, how many of those are you actually comfortable with? Definitely Fergal Harkin. Um, now, Nicky Butt, people will have different opinions of him, but in Manchester United, he's brought through Marcus Rashford, Mason Greenwood, Scott McTournay, yeah, Alec Van Zabey and, and Dean Henderson. So he's got a decent enough track record of bringing players through from the Manchester United Youth Academy into the first team. Whether he would be suited at Celtic, though, I, I don't know. Um, but, but Roy Keane, I, I don't know how comfortable I am with that. It just seems as if we're appointing a name rather than a vision. But certainly Fergal Harkin, I don't certainly think Nicky Butt's a bad coach. You know, he's got his UEFA Pro licence and whatnot. So probably Harkin and, and Butt, but big, big question mark alongside Roy Keane. What about yourself, JP? Before I go to the comments, uh, what's your thoughts if you look at those three names at the bottom of the screen? Well, I think probably now is an, an opportune moment to bring up uh, one of my Facebook memories. On this day, uh, 25th of March 2010, my Facebook status update was, really hope all this Paul Lambert chat is hearsay. He is most definitely not the right man for the job. When are folk going to stop touting ex-players as managers? I take Mark Hughes over any of them. <laughs> <laughs> so you started it. I started it, yeah, you've, you've just picked up the baton and ran with the Mark Hughes baton, but uh, aye, that was obviously the, the, just just after uh, Tony Mowbray had uh, been relieved of his duties, and uh, you know, I was saying, why is it that we have to have this sort of Celtic, Irish, you know, former player connection, and, and you know, why, why can we not move away from that? It just seems like that's the only thing that we can go with, but I mean, Nicky, but I didn't, I didn't actually know Nicky, but could be uh, attributed to the successes of those players you just mentioned, Dick. And so that, that obviously is in his favour. My my love for Manchester United is is is, is well documented. Uh, Nicky, but absolute hero. Roy Keane, absolute hero. I said it the other week when we spoke about him. Um, however, with regards to this appointment, I'm so wary of it. So wary, and I know Russell's been the sort of positivity troll on uh, Twitter in the last twenty four hours, like sending out positive, positive, uh, you know, vibes about the, the appointment. But I just, I, I really just don't know. I mean, we've we've spoken about his credentials and what he's done in the last ten years and what he's not done in the last ten years, and that, that terrifies me. Yeah, great pundit great player and you know seemingly you know actually a nice guy I think a lot of the punditry persona is is put on you know mm. people do say a lot of good things about Roy Keane as a person uh, you know he's not a complete maniac um, but uh, I just I, I just look at this and I think we're at a position where we cannot make a mistake that this 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 Celtic board whoever makes the decision cannot make a mistake here and they cannot make two mistakes in a row Um and the idea of Roy Keane leaving Celtic under a cloud, and uh, you know, with it not have been a success, uh, absolutely, it was bad enough as a player. You know, the Clyde debut and all that was horrendous. Mm-hmm. I was there; <laughs> it, was, it was horrible. Seeing your hero in, uh, from Man United playing in a Celtic strip and getting beat off Clyde was was a low point in my Celtic supporting career. So, uh, take that up on a notch and on the managerial level. I've just watched Neil Lennon leave Celtic. Uh, supposedly as a failure despite his achievements in the past I don't want to see the same thing happen with Roy Keane so whoever's making that decision they need to be 150% 
you know, right on it. I'm going to bring up some of these comments um, because it's going to be a busy day of comments and I want as many Celtic fans to have their say from Twitter, Facebook and also YouTube. Uh, and if you are watching like Lloyd Jepson uh, on YouTube, make sure to subscribe because we have leapfrogged Ab- Aberdeen FC in terms of YouTube subscribers and uh, our next target is Hibs. So the thought of Roy Keane as Celtic manager is giving me the fear says Lloyd uh, and by the way I've seen loads of comments just like that um, coming in JD uh, on YouTube when I read your tweet last night about Keen, I had to check the calendar to see if it was April the 1st had a few people saying that and Gary Fairweather please no now um, Stuart, Stuart Bonner I'm glad you made this this point. I'm glad you've said this. Every outlet running with this from your tweet, Paul, aimed at the KDS naysayers. So do you know something or is it much ado about nothing? Well, what I would say, Stuart, uh, and to anyone who, you know, basically writes off anything that anybody says on a podcast because nobody knows what's happening other than a select few within the club, is... Like I was saying to JP and Declan before, we get fed loads and loads of information. Like, and I mean 12, 15 stories every single week, but we're not in the habit of putting them out there unless you think that there is uh, some kind of weight behind them. So you, you weigh it up, don't you? You look at the person that's given you the information. Uh, you look at the information that they've given you before. I'm did, I don't want to get into um, the logistics of source handling and intelligence uh, management and all that kind of stuff, but that all comes into it, doesn't it? You're not going to uh, put something out that you, you've you been forwarded on a WhatsApp group and all that kind of stuff. Um, but if it comes directly from someone and you go back to them and ask them a few questions, and then something like uh, part of that that uh, team that you've been given uh, becomes available unusually, and it was a surprise to everybody. I think in terms of Manchester United, then that adds even more weight to what you've already been told. So much ado about nothing. I said last night on Twitter, I, I would rather it was to be honest. Much ado about nothing. I would rather be wrong about. Well, it's not even me. I put it out there. It wasn't my information, but uh, I would rather this wasn't the direction the club were taking but uh, JP's made a good point Russell has been Mr Positivity about this and I can see why I can see why I can see what he's trying to do um, because it does make sense so we've already spoken about a director of football what it is he's bringing to the table what I would then say is the Maresca um, stroke but appointment would be I, I reckon very very similar in relation to the position that they would hold at Celtic if it was Maresca or but so what would they be bringing to the table what would their responsibilities be under a regime Declan where you've got a figure like Keane um, obviously as the manager I think the worry still Paul is in terms of the youth academy the, 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 the personnel that isn't bringing as much as we would like will still be in place with Chris McCartney and other guys down down the line and that that's a worry that there's no direct pathway into the first team just now at Celtic which is another part that I think the club really need to look at and change um, you know if John Kennedy is to stay about the place I would like to, like to see John get that job as head of youth um, because I think that would suit him well but it would be you know to get the best out of players that are there that we know have underperformed this season and again, you know, modern coaching techniques, that, you know, for, for instance, a season, or even modern coaching techniques, the basics of defending a set piece. How many times this season are we going to concede for a set piece? And we hear John Kennedy after the game on Sunday come out and say, 
it's not something I'm, I want to dwell on. Well, why not? We've conceded over, I think, you know, 50% of our goals this season from set pieces. So mm-hmm. it'd be get to, hard to work in the training ground and try and make that pathway for younger players to get into the first team and develop our own players again because we're not doing that. And it's something that as a club, Celtic are going to need to do because we don't have the ability to go out and buy £20 million players. We need to look from within, especially in the current market. Yeah, I think most of those points, Declan, is what I would be looking for, you know, your player development, because obviously we're going to lose quite a number of players over the, the next few months. Youth progression is massive. It's been overlooked for too long at Celtic. Um, when it comes into the actual coaching side of it, it's no real shock that a lot of the time in a, in a setup like this, the manager doesn't do a lot of the coaching. I mean, Martin O'Neill didn't do much of the coaching. He, he didn't speak to players uh, all that much in, t- in relation to tactics. Th- this is the kind of things that had been discussed all week and worked on all week uh, with people like John Roberts and Steve Walford. So, it, it, you know, if you've got a figurehead, if you like, uh, like Keane, Roy Keane, and he's your figurehead, and uh, there's a trusted second in command, even with another coach alongside them, a deal with everything that you've said there, uh, Declan, and working on, um, you know, implementing the philosophy that's coming from above, if you like, uh, but also looking at, uh, you know, the sports science element of it, and there's other staff members who would be assisting with that, data analysis, coaching, tactics. JP, I guess what I'm saying is going down uh, what Russell's been saying over the last 24 hours. If you remove the Roy Keane and the the view that we have of him being a divisive character, a dinosaur, um, out of touch, an unsuccessful manager, all of these things that we've seen cropping up, and a lot of people believe that to be the case, could it still work? I guess is my my question to you, JP. Well, I mean, let's just say I was willing to get on board with this 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 plan. Like all three of those names, let's say I was willing to get on board with it. Because I mean, ultimately, I would. If in two weeks' time, if Roy Keane is paraded as Celtic manager, I will support it and I will support him, and I will renew my season ticket and all the rest of it. You know that that's going to happen anyway, regardless of the manager. I'm not going to just go no, I don't want to be involved with this because I don't necessarily 100% agree with it. But the key thing is. For, for me anyway, is that if all three of those people have a relationship, then fine. But if someone's trying to play Silla Black at Celtic again and tie people up, you know, just, you know, or oh, here, meet, meet so-and-so, this is your new manager, meet so-and-so, this is your new assistant coach, that can, I nearly swore there, but honestly, I, I don't get a, a, that upset that much at the moment about football, but that whole idea can get to if that is how they're going to uh, look at it, because if Roy Keane hasn't met Fergal Harkin, <laughs> if Nicky Butt hasn't met Fergal Harkin, if there's not a relationship between those three people, then this idea is flawed from the very start. No matter mm-hmm. what implementations they want to put in place, you know, it just doesn't it doesn't fill me with hope, you know. And that's from that point of view. Never mind what they actually do going forward. I just think if there is a relationship there, then 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 great. Then then I would obviously be more willing to sort of embrace it in a way because like you said the theory behind it potentially could work um, and I spoke to somebody this morning who has a fondness for Roy Keane based more on, on his looks and his punditry rather than anything else um, but she said that you know she she would be behind this appointment and said that it's what that's what Celtic needs 
Mm. Well, you know, the, one of the big things, and uh, I think we didn't touch on this on Tuesday. Yeah, we've been speaking all season about the indiscipline, if you like, uh, at Celtic Park. And by indiscipline, uh, I mean, you know, the culture that had crept in at Celtic, whereby you've got a striker who was a massive part of success or the turnaround, if you want, last season in Lee Griffiths, um, still not being fit and we're moving into the end of March. I mean, that that's unacceptable. Uh, Bowling golly thinking it's OK to jump on a plane and go to Spain. And we could go on and on and on. There's been so many different examples of that. You know, small examples like players on their phones. Never really got my knickers in a twist about that. But there's, there's been few, quite a few examples of this indiscipline. Um, and also, I mean, you could probably bring in the standards in terms of the fitness. We've spoken about the fitness, the amount of goals we lose, not only from set pieces deck, but later on in games, you know, post 70 minutes, we're, we're always good to lose a goal. Something that Celtic always were renowned for, you know, the, scoring goals, not letting them in. But uh, we've, we've allowed that to, to, to creep in. So I've seen a lot of people, you know... Um, kind of looking at similarities between Neil Lennon and Roy Keane, but I actually don't really buy into that uh, because I don't think that that would be allowed to happen under the stewardship of Roy Keane. And by the way, I'm not sitting here um, shouting that I think Roy Keane should be the Celtic manager. I'm trying to weigh it up for <laughs> if and when that day comes where we're sitting here next Thursday actually talking about an appointment. Um, but it is a point that's been brought up quite a bit. Uh, ASM1 on YouTube Keane's personality probably won't work he's learning times 50 I think my concern in that rela- in, in relation to that point would be that whether or not his style of management would appeal to the modern footballer now some would say Roy Keane is a modern football footballer but even in the 10 years that he's been away from managing and we know that he's been involved in the game as an assistant but even in those 10 years has football evolved so much has it come um, forward some would say it's not forward at all so much Declan that the modern player wouldn't respond to the approach that Roy Keane has I think that's people's biggest concern what's your thoughts on that I mean we keep using the example you know going back to that jersey that's hanging over uh, JP's shoulder there, the 3-3 game against Kelly. In the changing room there, if Neil Lennon screams and shouts at Tony Stokes, Tony Stokes will go out and score two goals for you in the second half, as he did that day. If Neil Lennon does that to Eddie, Eddie will down tools and mm. swagger about the pitch for the second half. That That's the kind of mentality that I believe um, would be a barrier uh, if Roy Keane was to come back into a dressing room as the manager. What, what's your thoughts on that, Declan? I think certainly with, with the, the transfer market changing, Celtic will look to buy British and Irish based players. That might build into this idea with Roy Keane that he'll go for those type of players and not as stylish an individual you'd maybe see as shopping in the market for, for French under 21 players. But I've been watching the uh, the Spurs documentary on Amazon, Amazon Prime. I don't know if any of the two of you have watched it. And when Mourinho comes in at Spurs, he tells Christian Eriksen right away, you're not playing, and keeps him on the bench for the foreseeable. And that was a major, major first-team player. Christian Eriksen's made most of the assists for Spurs in the Premier League. That was an issue that Neil Lennon had, where we had a group of players that had set in, a rot set in, and we didn't get rid of them. I don't think that would happen under Roy Keane. I think if pros weren't up for playing for him, he would have put them in the stand and said either you're going to play for me or sit there and I won't play you. Whereas I don't think Neil put the foot down hard enough for that. Now that isn't an advocate of Roy Keane, but I think there's stuff 
that we saw this season that Keane wouldn't have allowed. But in terms of this players responding, Keane is certainly a big name. You saw Gerard attract players because they wanted to play under Gerard as a name. Um, you know, I'm not trying to be an advocate of Roy Keane, but if we are going to shop for British and Irish-based players, this could be in the thinking of the Celtic board. Mm. What about yourself, JP? Russell Boys can't wait for the announcement. Um, what about yourself? Has football moved on? I mean, it's not as though he's not been involved. This week on the Marketers Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct to Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct-to-Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. I mean, he has coached and he's been the assistant manager to the modern player. I, I think that it's just so raw in uh, the minds of Celtic fans as to how it went spectacularly wrong this season, and a lot of the a lot of the reasons behind that obviously were, you know, these players not playing for the gaffer, if you like. Uh, and there's a fear, I think, amongst a lot of Celtic fans that the same thing will happen with with, with Roy Keane. Do you believe that to be the case or do you think that there are disciplines and there is a professionalism around Roy Keane that maybe wasn't present under Neil Lennon? Well, I think you have to, like I said before, I think you have to maybe take his pundit persona with a little bit of a pinch of salt, but there's obviously an element of of, uh, his own thoughts and feelings come into that. You know, when you hear him speaking about, you know, I mean, he's gone, he's absolutely torn Paul Pogba apart at times, you know, for the way that Paul Pogba, I don't know, is, portrays himself, you know, the whole image thing and, you know, all about the bling and everything else. Like, like Keane doesn't stand for that. And if you read his book, he didn't stand for it at the time in the dressing room as well. Like, he didn't have any time for folk that were dining out on past glories or, you know, sort of being showy in the dressing room. He just like didn't want any of that. So the modern football player is is that times, you know, you know, a thousand basically. So um but I know I think I didn't see Martin O'Neill's comments about him, but I think Martin O'Neill said at the weekend that you know Roy Keane had sort of learned a lot in the last ten years or so, whether it's the experience of being an assistant also or with his, his T V punditry and everything else. So Maybe he's maybe struck a sort of happy medium with regards to that, with regards to how he deals with that. But I mean, I mean, you look at the Bolingoli incident. I mean, Roy Keane would have probably murdered Bolingoli, you know, for doing that. Uh, I, I don't know what Neil Lennon's rea- real reaction was to that happening, but yeah, Keane would have. <laughs> it would have been na- it would have been nasty. I wouldn't have liked. Well, I would have liked to see it actually because I was raging with the guy myself. Because um, that was one of the first, you know, it was uh, carpets to be pulled from under us, you know. So, um, 
Aye, I, I, that, that's my thoughts on, on writing. No, you're, you're right. It was one of the first rugs to be pulled from under our feet. And those two games, they, they just hung over us all season. And loads yeah. of people were saying, oh, but it's all right. If we win the, the two games in hand and we win the, the three games against it, and then it just unraveled slowly uh, throughout the season. And it was actually painful to watch. Now, you've got to then question, Declan, about the modern footballer. You and I and JP, we're not in a dressing room. We're not on the training pitch. We just observe it like everybody else and we observe the changes uh, to football and modern football footballers uh, don't give interviews to uh, you know platforms the people that we're speaking to in terms of ex-players are from you know maybe 15 years ago now uh, longer so it is a different era has it moved too far forward so that you know a manager can't give somebody a roasting because you know it's a competitive game of football it's not as though you're sitting in an office and there's a, a real culture within an office where you wouldn't go up and give someone a, a roasting because of their performance but this is sport <laughs> this is like you know you've got to have a winning mentality surely we, we can't get to the point where you're scared in case you um, you know upset someone from time to time surely there's a place in football for that I think there still is a place in football for that and I think some of the bigger names in the Premier League probably still give players a roasting as much as Pep Guardiola I think he's probably the best coach in world football he probably still shouts at people at times same goes for Mourinho or Ancelotti or whoever you know there's a competitiveness you expect players to to respond at times to that and again there was a comment there from somebody if it is Roy Keane to come in here I'm not saying that's who I want to come in it will be between him and Fergal Harkin that are picking the players to come to Celtic and we know we're going to have a major overhaul so they'll be coming in and knowing what to expect. So it's not as if he's just coming in to manage the 11 that are there, because the majority of the 11 that are there are going to be out the door. So with that, know what? You know, there's bits of this jigsaw puzzle that just keep sticking together and make me more worried that we're going to be turning up to Celtic Park next season with half and half Celtic Man United scarves singing the soldiers. So. <laughs> Half and half scarf stop right there. Uh, jungle line. Uh, them, actually, by the way, Declan, from Ryan Giggs's testimonial. Oh, I remember Sorry. that. Yeah. Um, jungle line, regular contributor on Axel. Welcome back to the show. Uh, you're commenting on Periscope. If the director of football picks a player and Keane says no, who wins that battle? I guess that comes back to the point you made earlier, JP, with regards to there has to be that that team. Uh, with regards to the whole operation it can't be that you just throw a group of people like Silla Black like you say I mean that reference probably went over uh, Declan's nearly nearly shorn head oh you remember that blind date yep back in uh, less complicated times back then JP yeah yeah, you know blind date wow so you're right there has to be a cohesion there has to be a dynamic uh, team if you're going to be building a structure and a philosophy uh, and obviously you're bringing in players that will then be implemented into a team that's been picked by Roy Keane um, I wouldn't, in fact I know who would win the battle but uh, at the end of the day when it comes down to it, the, the director of football will have superiority over over the manager, but we don't want to get into a situation again do we, where we've spent £10 million on a centre half and a left back and we're going to our European qualif- qualification games and they're sitting on the bench you know, exactly. you don't want to be in a situation where a five million pound Greek goalkeeper comes in and plays a handful of games. Now, yeah, some of that was due to the fact that he hasn't uh, settled at Celtic or in Scotland, and he hasn't set the heller alight. But he wasn't Lenny's pick. 
you know, and, and we know that now. Uh, so we don't want to be in that situation uh, whereby someone else is picking the players and you've then got a bloated squad of players that you don't believe in. Um, surely you would think when when we talk about the the actual recruitment of the manager, um, that is something that we're already in discussions with or between Dominic Mackay, Peter Lowell, and you would guess the director of football is already part of that. Yeah, you have, and also you don't want a situation where you've got your most successful manager since uh, successful domestic manager since Jock Steen. Uh, telling you, oh, I've got about a million wingers. You know, I don't want this one. But it was essentially what he was saying about about Schved. Um, and then there was Arzani as well. And it was just like, uh, no one, no one in the Celtic support wants to see that kind of sort of meddling and muddle of 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 uh, recruitment because it just has a knock on effect further down the line. You know, for every player that we don't sign that the manager wants. That's creating a problem further down the road, where we end up with playing beat on at centre half, or having to bring Welsh in after a loan spell at Greenock Morton. Do you know what I mean? To play in big games, like all of that, it all knocks further down the road. Um, it's all very well when you've got your first eleven fit, but you know, as soon as one of them gets injured and you've not got a, a, a an adequate replacement to go in because you've been spending money willy nilly on loads of wingers, or you know. Strikers that you know come with all this gusto and uh, you know uh, hullabaloo like Bio, you know Bio's done nothing for Celtic, and mm-hmm. there was a big announcement at Celtic Park, and we were all in pitch black, and the lights were on him, and it was like we were signing you know Ronaldo or something like that, and it's like well the guy's away, he's on loan elsewhere, and he's barely done anything for us, you know so. Interesting enough, the guys on the screen of Celica on a Tuesday night were talking about some of the strikers we'd brought in over the years, JP. Um, and it's fresh in the memory because they also spoke about that 3-3 game against Kilmarnock where we wore that that kit over your shoulder, which wasn't one of my favourites, I've got to say. It takes me back to my ZX Spectrum loading days. I, I've got that up because a guy, asked, a guy, Brian McDonald, asked on Twitter last night what, what uh, our thoughts were on that strip. And... Uh, uh, and then I put a picture up with me wearing it, and he was like, "Oh, if you if you hang that up on Axom tomorrow, I'll uh, donate uh, money to charity of your choice." So there oh, it is. Yeah. Aye, so um, and, and, and yeah, yeah. way to make money for charity if that's if that's all I need to do is hang a oh, strip. <laughs> Absolutely, but the th- the thing is, well, talking about strips, um, and it's a relevant point. You'll you'll know how immersed in Celtic uh, match worn jerseys I've been now for over five years in relation to doing all the research and all the study uh, around the history of the Celtic jersey, which will be coming out in the form of a book eventually. Um, because obviously the publishers have been very patient in that process. But uh, when you're looking at Celtic jerseys, that's the kind of thing that we would normally talk about on this podcast. There's been a leaked Celtic third kit. At this moment in time, I couldn't care less about things like that. I'm just so focused on the big big decisions that have been made at Celtic that something that I'm passionate about just gets put to a side. I'll come back to that later on and have a look at it. Um, But, you know, some brilliant comments coming in. Barry McCluskey, welcome to the show, uh, Barry. Uh, You're talking, you're responding to Paul Bosas, who's obviously commented earlier on Facebook. I thought about that last night. Harkin and Mareska are a team. You'd assume that Keane and Butt would work together. They've obviously played together. Could the two teams merge? That's interesting because... Even if we're looking at Harkin, Keane and Butt, I mean, it's not just a three-man team. 
There's going to be other areas. And you've got to ask yourself, is Maresca part of this plan? Um, another comment that, that I seen yesterday uh, was that, you know, what might take the sting out of the, the keen appointment would be if he comes along with Damien Duff. And then I started asking myself, is Damien Duff this mythical coach? I mean, where did that come? You know, all of a sudden he's this brilliant coach that when he left, everything fell to bits. Did that really happen? I'll come to you, Declan. I mean, does it take the sting out of it? And why? Damien Duff. A lot of people seem to like Damien, well-quoted coach. And I think, you know, the timing of his departure and how bad we then faltered, I think a lot of people are just connected those two things together. Um, and he's then went on, I think he's... Where is he just now? Is he an Irish team at this point in time? Nah, Demo. Damien Duff. I think he's unemployed. I think he left his role in, in, in the Republic Ireland set up because he was with uh, Stephen Kenny and then it, they didn't really explain why he left that role. Maybe it was family reasons or whatever, but I don't think he's taken up another job. Because uh, I thought he'd went and did a bit of coaching at Shelburne or something there. But, but whatever he's been into, he's not really went on to do anything. As JP says, uh, the island set up, he's, he's left that too, so... I don't. I don't know whether it would take the sting out. It possibly, as I said earlier, if Harkins in the door, I'm quite happy. But it's all about a secession planning, and that's really what we need. Um, we can't just have an old favourite coming in here, and that's it. We need a, a structure that, as I said earlier on, as a philosophy in place. That if one person either fails or departs, it can, they can be replaced very quickly. Mm. That, that's what you want you want the, the whole mechanics of this to continue regardless if one element um, is removed from it but I, I don't know if you remember JP but part of the reason certainly that Damien Duff left the Irish setup was due to the motivational video that was shown to the Ireland players and that was ahead of the England game it was a friendly against England at uh, Wembley and part of that uh, was around the 1916 Easter Rising and this was uh, used as a motivational video for the Ireland players before the England game um, and seriously whoever was responsible for doing that uh, was seriously um, you know criticised by the, the Irish FA and uh, Damien Duff stood up to that because he felt there was absolutely no issue in showing Irish players Irish history and that was certainly one of the reasons why he left um, another reason might have been that Ireland are absolutely dug me at the moment I mean you watch you watch them Stephen Kenny the big thing about that for me was uh, Kenny obviously was the manager at Dunfermline and um, around about and I remember it you, you would see him around Dunfermline and I remember the uh, the aftermath of that when Dunfermline went into administration a few years after Kenny had left obviously and uh, I, I spoke to a lot of the players who played under Kenny and he talked about divisive characters and this was for different reasons he was very divisive uh, the players did not rate him at all as a coach and as a manager uh, he's gone away obviously back to Ireland and rebuilt his uh, reputation I then spoke to Paddy McCourt I'm going to be accused of being a name dropper here but Paddy McCourt spoke so so highly of Stephen Kenny during their time at Derry City um, so you've got the two ends of that next thing you know he is um, it was the under 21 boss first wasn't it Deck and then he's obviously been uh, promoted to the but to be honest I, all, I did think back to the Dunfermline days I thought back to that, that period where you know you got the club relegated and um, I thought yeah, I wasn't sure if that was going to work it's obviously not working I mean that's another defeat last night and during that uh, obviously beforehand I learned that uh, Duffy had been dropped from the Republic of Ireland squad so 
you know things aren't getting any better for for poor Duffy. But let's keep talking about the other Republic of Ireland legend because let's let's be honest, that's exactly what Roy Keane is. And I had this discussion yesterday where I said, you know, is he the most famous Irish footballer of all time? Potentially. You know, you you think about someone on Paul McGrath, Liam Brady, Robbie Keane, uh, Shea Given, Pat Bonner. But is is Roy, is Roy Keane the Republic of Ireland icon, uh, and then I start thinking. Well, we've been criticising the the those in power at Celtic for some time about them being out of touch with the Celtic fan base. And do they believe, Declan? I'll ask you first. Do they believe that this is the high profile season ticket shifting manager that Celtic may require? I think to the extent Dermot Desmond may think that, Paul. Um, you put a text on earlier on, and it made a better logical sense in terms of you know the reach that Roy Keane's got especially as you mentioned to Irish American Celtic supporters in terms of a brand type manager here we've also got the billing that he would get once again we were using a hashtag one club since 1888 but again inevitably if he came up here it would be billed as Keane versus Gerrard like the old days Manchester United and Liverpool so I think Dermot Desmond probably does from a branding perspective believe that, that Roy Keane is a man yeah. What's your thoughts on that? I mean, I understand from a business perspective, a marketing perspective, GP, that all these things need to be considered. They certainly, Celtic certainly were not considering that when we appointed Ronnie Dyla because there was no real... I mean, I remember a few Norwegians used to come to the games. That was about it. That's the only difference I've seen. But in terms of global reach, that certainly was not there. You look at some of the appointments that Dermot Desmond has had the final say in, has made even, you could say, and it's Martin O'Neill, Neil Lennon, Brennan Rogers, Roy Keane. So there is a, a trend developing there. And I think it's for that very reason, Declan, where you want to appeal to the massive... Irish diaspora all over the world, but particularly in the American market. JP, is that is that the think the thought process? Let's get a director of football and a head coach who are so good at their job that the manager is actually just the figurehead in this whole operation, if that's indeed possible. Well, I guess that could be their thinking, but with regards to how Roy Keane is viewed by the Irish support, the Irish people. Um, I, I don't I don't know what what this sort of groundswell is, but if I take one person who I know, and it is one person, but he is a very very Irish uh, guy, one of the one of the, the the best guys I've ever met supporting Celtic. His name's Paddy Kelleher. If you're watching Paddy, hello. Um, and Paddy was on our supporters bus, the Harriet Watt bus, and uh, just a he's just a great you know vivacious character, uh, passionate Irishman. He used to always uh, sing a rendition of the old triangle on the bus, uh, which which was like the whole the whole bus would shut up and Paddy would stand up and sing the old triangle. What, just, what was your what was your song, JP, on the supporters bus? Uh, oh, that's not for, <laughs> <laughs> that's not for this, uh, this broadcast, but. Uh, I uh, the um, so he, he, I, I saw him comment on Facebook on something to do with Keane uh, a while ago. Um, I don't know if it was a Keen skip from one of the from one of his uh, halftime uh, analysis things, but Paddy was you could tell with the venom in his voice. He's still not happy about Roy Keane walking out on his country, um, regardless of his reasons uh, for doing it. And I know that a lot of people will say, well, you know, he was disappointed with the standards or whatever, but ultimately he was still there 
to do a job um, and they didn't do it. So I know that, that that's just one person, like I say, and that's Pat, that's Paddy, but um, that might be reflective, you know, uh, from from a lot of people. So you just don't know. And just to add something else in, and I, I, I would never want to gauge, you know, the 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 potential success of a Celtic manager over how many people turned up to see the unveiling of of that that manager because ultimately I don't really I'm not really bothered about that but it would be interesting if you know pandemic was not here and Roy Keane was announced it would be interesting to see what sort of level of support would turn up to show their support do you know what I mean mm, it would it would be very interesting I mean where you're talking there about where obviously he had a massive falling out with Mick McCarthy um, and it was all about standards and it was <laughs> the very thing that uh, we have seen slipping at Celtic mm. um, and let's not forget as David Kelly points out that Lennon took the squad to Dubai for a piss up Attitude reflects leadership. This has been an absolute PR disaster this season for Celtic. Now, um, whose decision was it to go to Dubai? Neil Lennon says that he would take responsibility for it. He obviously didn't sign it off. I mean, he doesn't sign off. The manager doesn't sign off a trip to Dubai uh, that costs hundreds of thousands of pounds in, in the January. Um, he might have been behind it, but I would, I would doubt that he signed something like that off. But that is the kind of standard that have slipped this season JP so on the one hand you're looking at that maybe having soiled or solid a lot of people's kind of views on Roy Keane from a, an Ireland perspective when obviously that, that was kind of world news wasn't it where he, he thought the training facilities were substandard and the hotel facilities were substandard and he spoke out and loads of uh, players had been saying exactly the same thing but when it came to the crunch, they all kind of just looked at their boots and uh, it was keen against the world. Um, that's the kind of thing that I think people worry about. Um, in relation to if there was uh, the ability to go and uh, see the unveiling of a new manager, Declan, and it was Roy Keane, would you be there? You know, I like Manchester United, Paul. Um, I don't know. Depends what I was doing that day. Maybe. Was it in East End of Glasgow? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. It takes us back again. I mean, loads of these comments coming through. Roy Keane is the bookies' odds-on favourite. I've seen that. I mean, they odds plummeted yesterday, didn't they? And um, that that is always interesting. But all that basically means is there's a lot of bets going on to that. that part. And, and I keep going back, talking about information and people claiming to be in the know. I got information about Brennan Rogers. Uh, I think I told you this, JP, and I was at a gig that night to watch Steve Mason at Liquid Rooms. You were probably at it, JP, because nothing much gets past you um, in Scot the Scottish he's gig circuit. He just cancelled his King Biscuit time gigs, which I'm gutted about, because they were going to be at Tuts, or this, the Glasgow one was going to be at Tuts, but he's decided to focus on new material that he's written since since that gig, those tours were announced. So, yeah, that's that's not happening, so... Anyway. I don't. I don't know the the date. I, I might have had this discussion with you. I don't know the date, but we bumped in a couple of pals. It was me and my big brother. It was at the gig, and um, they were asking who is going to be Celtic's manager. And I think, why are you asking me? How am I meant to know? But I have had this this tip off, and the tip off obviously was Brennan Rogers. And I remember when I, I was given that he was something like thirty three to one. I don't bet, so obviously. I didn't put anything on it um, and very very quickly that materialised and the next thing you know there's 13,000 people at Celtic Park at least uh, for the unveiling of Brendan Rodgers let's just say Declan I don't think it's going to be as popular as that uh, particular day was because what you were getting with Brendan Rodgers was the full package 
weren't you? I mean, all the other staff members, I guess, as important as they were, they were all part of the Brennan Rogers machine. Whereas this is a completely different structure that we are now looking at, JP. I mean, when you look at director of football, some would say we've had a pseudo uh, DOF for a number of years. Hmm. But, but the last director of football I've had, please correct me if I'm wrong, was Kenneth Alglish. I think he was called a technical director. The, yeah. we're, we're moving in a completely different direction. And you've got a maybe even question, would someone of the, the ego and the power and uh, of a Brennan Rogers even work under such a structure? I don't think so. I, I, I think, well, you only need to see his comments in the latter part of his Celtic uh, tenure to know that it was starting to uh, bristle with him that there was interference. And whether that interference was there at the start, I don't know, because like, we've spoken about this before when he first came in, he was signing he was signing players that were clearly his players, Toure, Sinclair, Dembele, he'd obviously identified, um, you know, De Vries, they were all his players. Um, but then that just seemed to sort of dilute over time to the point where he didn't even have a clue about the people that were coming in. And and I just find that absolutely astonishing that you, you would allow that disconnect to happen, whether it was whether whether it was because the, the powers that be thought that he wasn't he didn't have his heart in it or he wasn't there for the long term. They should have still have been signing players that he wanted in the club rather than just, you know, random folk that they've been told are half decent by a scout that they spoke to, you know, for half an hour on the phone. Because um, that's just what it seems like it was going on. So I, I, I don't think Brendan Rodgers would have, would, have, would have accepted being introduced Silla Black style into this setup. Um, you know, so if, if it is Roy Keane, there's, I would not have thought for a second that Roy Keane doesn't know Fergal Harkin. If they're going to put them two together, I wouldn't have thought for a second that he's not got some sort of relationship with him. And I know I know it's obviously Manchester City, but you know the football circles, they're, they're, if they've met each other, they'll, they'll know each other. Do you know what I mean? It's not it's not like it's just because it's Manchester City they wouldn't they wouldn't have a potential relationship. You know the big thing on that point they're talking about players coming in under the, the manager's nose and it could be down to certain relationships that people at the club have with the agent uh, who's representing the player, etc. The the one big thing I always think back to was that day that Kevin Graham and I were at uh, the cup final, I think, against Motherwell. Um, we were at the set. It was the second treble, treble cup final, right? Uh, the second treble cup final, and I don't take them for granted, by the way. But obviously, you've got to go back in your mind, and obviously, Aberdeen, Motherwell, Hearts and Hearts, and um, we couldn't get a ticket for the game, and we ended up in a a hospitality lounge. That, that's the only tickets that Kevin and I could get for that game. And we shared that lounge with Marvin Comper. And there he was standing there, you know, and you're looking at him thinking, 60 minutes of football against Morton in the cup. So there's a player right there, JP, that for me completely um, shows you how that doesn't work. There, There's the proof there. You're paying at least a million pounds plus whatever the, the wages were to bring him uh, to Celtic Park. And he played 60 minutes of football. So the signs, when we were winning trebles, it's easier to turn a blind eye to that, isn't it? I mean, I remember groups of guys going up for selfies with him and all that kind of stuff because it was, oh, there's Marvin Comper. It was a bit of a joke figure. Um, a joke figure that, uh, you know, has just cost the club a couple of million quid in, in transfer fee and wages. So 
even though we had that ultra-professionalism um, and the football philosophy of Brennan Rodgers in the background, there was a lot of things not working properly uh, at the club. And despite all of that, he was able to deliver unprecedented success. But we've seen what's happened since he's left. And I think what we do need is we need a clear-out, and that clear-out started. The director of football, I would expect, would be the next one um, to be to be named. And, you know, that... What we've just discussed there is point one on a Celtic State of Mind's bulletin agenda today. Is there anything else worth speaking about? Um, I see that Benitez uh, has made it known that his ambitions lie in English football. Now, the reason I think that's relevant as well, Declan, is that I think that there's a few other names, a few other potential candidates who are certainly uh, bookie candidates who will feel exactly the same way. And I think Eddie Howe will be thinking the exact same way as that as well. Um, and if any of the international managers that we have been linked to uh, are looking at the company of British football, I think England will be the destination for them also. So that then begs the question, uh, we're basically going to, going to try and get the best of the rest. Um, where are we just now? Where are we in your mind, Declan, in terms of give me your... Give me your director of football and management team. I certainly think Fergal Harkin for me is, is the man for that job. And I was quite sold on Enzo Maresca coming in from Manchester City. I know he's not had experience as a manager, but I thought he was a fresh face. He's got good vision. We're needing to sell a vision to a, a coach. He stocks high just now. And I thought that would have been the, the kind of option. A young person, young coach, very highly rated to come in with the links between the two football clubs but in terms of where we're at Paul I still think we're a big enough football club that can attract a decent enough manager I think we've still got money there that can be used wisely but we need to sell a vision to head coaches and to whoever's coming in because the short term this attain in a row has cost us dearly that needs to change and we need to plan for the future with a decent cessation plan and in place that every season we either qualify for the Champions League or, you know, make a good attempt at it. Not this, wait, buy a player after we get knocked out. We have a good go at it and, again, return to domestic dominance. Now, JP, 11 years ago today, yeah, you wanted Mark Hughes as a manager. <laughs> 11, 11 years on, where are you? Where's your head at when it comes to the director of football management team? Well, yeah, I think... I think- I mean, I, I don't know so much about uh, Fergal Harkin, but the, the sheer fact that he was an employee of Manchester City, uh, and I didn't know that about Nike, you mentioned that as well. Um, it, it says to me that, you know, Manchester City are no mugs. They're not hiring, you know, imbeciles. They'll be hiring, hiring the best people for their positions right throughout the club um, from top to bottom. So uh, if we can take a cog out of their uh Machine and you know put it at the top of a uh, top of ours uh, to get it going. And then yeah, I think and with regards to like attracting managers, I think we need to get our house in order first and lay foundations that make it more of an attractive uh, you know place to come for a Jesse Marsh or whoever in the future. Because there's no doubt about it, if you know things uh, sort of. Uh, if the stars align at a certain point in time, like it did with Brendan Rodgers, you know we could find ourselves being able to offer Jesse Marsh a job at some point in the future. He's still he's young enough to go away, do more things, manage in Germany or whatever, and then maybe come to us um, to take over a a, 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 a slick running uh, outfit rather than 
the absolute, you know, ground zero that it is right now. Um, yeah, no, so. you're right. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely spot on there. And I'm going to leave the last kind of comment to David Kelly, who on YouTube, mind Rogers took his laddie on a pre-season tour. Jobs for the boys has been an issue for a long time at Celtic. I just think back, I, I remember St. Johnson winning the cup there. Um, and it was Jamie McCart. There was a picture of Jamie McCart with the cup. A guy who was so highly rated at Celtic as a youth player. And I, I did think when I saw Anton Rogers... Was he was he really named after Anton Rogan? Uh, Anton Rogers in the Celtic jersey in that preseason friendly. What must the youth players have thought? You know, there's a guy there, Jamie McCart, didn't he get a look in at Celtic, and he's gone on to some success and fair play to the boy. But what must the youth players have thought when Anton Anton Rogers ran on the field that day and even went on the preseason tour? You know. Bizarre. That was one of the most bizarre moments. Um, that is up there with the sign of signing of Marvin Comper during the Brendan Rodgers years. Now, it's been an absolute pleasure. And um, yes, we will see if this develops. And as I said before, happy to be proved wrong. Uh, a tweet's a tweet and all that. And we'll see what happens with that last night. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks for getting involved via Twitter, Facebook and YouTube. Uh, all that's left for me to say is Declan McConville and JP Mason. Thank you again for joining me on a Celtic State of Mind, guys. to all every audience live conversations trusted influencers and the insights and data you need to grow iHeartMedia is your access company go to iHeartResults.com for more sports social podcast network sports social podcast network sports social podcast network sports social podcast network Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.